Welcome. Welcome to this place of worship. We've gathered to focus our attention on God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose spirit moves among us. Let's pray together. O oh God, Creator, Redeemer, Comforter, we rejoice to recognize your presence. Reveal more of yourself through your word and your spirit, and we will respond. Amen. Let's sing together, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. It's song number one in your hymn book. Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Drive the dark of doubt away, giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. The sound of joy. <laughs> we call you to worship with some of the words of Psalm 139. O Lord, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you 
when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Fairest Lord Jesus, song number 88 in your books. And we're going to skip verse 2. So song number 88. pray a confession prayer also from Psalm 139. O oh God, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, 
Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. We confess, Lord, that sometimes we do want to flee from your presence. We don't want to be seen. We want to hide what we have done or who we feel we are. But because you are near anyway, you put your hand on us. You touch us with reassurance, with forgiveness. Thank you for being that near, to know our thoughts and to not flee from us, but to stay close and to forgive. We thank you. Amen. As we sing how deep the Father's love for us, I want you to notice how it contains both the confession and the confidence. The confession language is referring to ourselves as wretches, uh, acknowledging that it's my sin upon his shoulders. It's my sin that held him on the cross and ashamed to hear our mocking voices joining in with the others who are making fun of him. But then the song also has a turn in it of confidence in God's forgiveness and an assurance that it is finished. The wounds have paid my ransom. And the next song will continue in that theme of assurance. But instead of it being our voice, it's as though God is the one speaking in, that, in the next song. So we confess and we receive assurance in these two songs. I know. 
I will. 
All right. Well, let's bow in a word of prayer to dismiss children to children's church. Our God, we thank you so very much again for each of the little ones in our congregation. God, we pray that as they go now to children's church, it will be a time of learning, a time of fun, a time of togetherness. And we pray for the teachers as well, that they will have the words to say and the perseverance to carry it on through. We also want to pray for this service as well. God, please bring a blessing to it. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Children's Church is for ages 3 to 11. Uh, it is in the youth room, so where the women's bathrooms are, just keep going. All right. So if you have your bulletins on you, there's a couple things that I want to highlight uh, for us and a couple things on top of what is there even. Uh, as far as announcements goes, uh, the first one is that Ladies Bible Study begins tomorrow, as you can see there, September 27th. Uh, if you can't make it out, please let either Lois or Charlene know ASAP. They are going to be looking to order uh, books already following the numbers, so they just want to get an accurate idea of how many books that they need to order. It sounds like they will be going through Larry Crabb, which will be an interesting time, uh, and so... Ladies Bible study tomorrow, September 27th at 1.20. If you can't make it out, but you intend to for the rest of the year, let Lois and Charlene know. Next, uh, October 17th, Cesar Garcia, who is the General Secretary of the Mennonite World Conference, is coming to speak with us, which I am very excited for. Uh, if you don't know, the Mennonite World Conference is quite a big organization representing Anabaptists worldwide. Uh, and he just happened to be in Winnipeg looking for a small church to speak in. And so I am very excited that he is coming out. That is October 17th. You won't want to miss that. If you know anybody that would be interested in hearing, invite them out as well. Now, besides that, Wednesday uh, at 7 p.m., youth is meeting at Dawson and Bethany's house. Uh, make sure to dress well. I believe that they are doing some uh, washing of windows. Uh, also, if you have windows that need washing, uh, get in touch with them as soon as you can. And also Wednesday at 7 p.m. here at the church is prayer meeting. Uh, I'd encourage you all to come on out for that. Now, as to prayer items that we have, Valley Views, uh, last week, their fundraiser went well, uh, and also they are doing work on a basement room there. They are hoping to get it done before, before January. There's probably going to be a work day coming up at some point. I haven't gotten a firm day on what that'll be, but at the same time, I'll pass that on. We want to pray that they get that done. One last thing. You probably noticed when you came in that there was a page that looks like this. This is the EMC uh, Missions Prayer Calendar. One of them comes out every month. Uh, you can also get it online. Just go to the EMC website and there is a sign-up link there. On it, you will find prayer items for all of the missionaries uh, in the EMC. And there is, conveniently, considering there is 31 days in the month of October, 31 prayer items. Almost like it's planned. But I'd encourage you to pick one up and to make, make it a point to pray for the people that are on this list. With that said, now let's go into a time of prayer. God, we come before you now, first off, very excited, very thankful 
Don't want to bring Valley View before you. Lord, it is wonderful news that the gathering this past Sunday went as well as it did. Even though with all of the restrictions and all of that, it didn't look like how it was thought that it was going to look. Nevertheless, God, we are thankful that that went well too. And we pray for that room downstairs. We pray that the workers will come. We pray that the work will be done. God, we pray that it will get done before the January deadline. Valley View does such wonderful work with the young people and just everyone in this region that, God, our prayers are with them. And, Lord, we also want to bring our church before you. Lord, it's exciting news that Cesar Garcia will come and Terry Smith will come. And so we pray that as both of them speak over the next couple weeks, that you will bring a blessing to both of those services and a blessing to both of those men as they prepare what it is that they are going to say. And we pray that you will open our hearts to the message that you want to relay as well. And God, we want to bring our EMC missionaries before you as well. While the list is long and the work they do is great, we want to just focus on three. God, first of all, we want to bring James and Maria Wall before you. We remember when they came and spoke to us those years, those years ago. God, we pray that as they are finally looking to go down to El Salvador on October 3rd, God, that you will be a blessing to them in this new ministry. God, we pray that they will establish themselves quick. We pray that they will find the connections that they need to. And Lord, we pray that through them, your kingdom will be built in ways that it never has been before. And God, we also want to pray for the Archives Committee. While we often don't think of things like that as missionaries at the same time, it is through them that we can see what you have done over our history. And it is what we have done over our history that can help so very much in seeing how you are going to work through us into our future as well. And so God, we pray, bless them. We know that they always have trouble coming up with money, and so we pray that it will find itself to them. We also know that they have trouble coming up with workers as well. It can be quite a difficult thing finding people that speak Gothic German. And so we pray that those people present themselves to them as well. We thank you for the work that they do. God, we bring all of these people before you. And we also want to pray for the St. Agath uh, ministry as well. Lord, it is a difficult thing to plant a new church. But at the same time, Scott and Debbie have been at it with all of their hearts for a while now, and they are making significant inroads. And so, God, we pray that you bless them. God, we pray that their church continues to grow until it can stand firm on its own two feet and be a blessing to all of St. Agath and the surrounding region as well. Lord, all of these things we bring before you today. All of these things are on our heart. And so, God, we put them with you. In your name we pray, amen. So our scripture is from Luke chapter 10, where Jesus is responding to the questions that has been put to him about what is 
the most important commandment. And he says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the other, oh, I see, this, this is both Jesus, pardon me. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. The song we're going to sing with you is number 450 in your hymn book. We're just going to sing the first couple of verses of 450, which is, Lord, speak to me that I may speak. It's a prayer that Russell could be praying. We're praying it with him. Today, we are coming to the last of our sermons in our exploration of Christian ethics. Uh, we began first with the Sermon on the Mount four, I guess we're five months back, and then the Ten Commandments immediately after that all through the summer. And then we started to wrap it up last week talking about the greatest commandment and today we are going to finish up our talk on the greatest commandment and with that I think we will have enough of a foundation on what it means to act as a Christian that we can take a break for a little while on this topic. And so today, following last week, we are finishing our discussion on the greatest commandment, the passage that was just read, or I guess last Sunday we went in a different gospel's reading of it, but uh, it's a summary of last Sunday. We talked about how Jesus' instructions to love God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we talked about how those are two halves of the same commandment, like two sides of one coin. It is not possible to work to grow in your love for God with all that you are and then not also grow in your love for the creation that our God has made to love yourself more and to love your neighbor as yourself as well. Those things are all connected. As such, it is important to implement this greatest commandment in our lives. That is what Jesus is telling. You wanna ingrain the greatest commandment to love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself into yourself because that is how you live as a Christian. You live your best life. I'd go one farther than that. That's how, as human beings, we live our best lives. And how you do that, how you ingrain this greatest commandment into who you are so that it impacts every decision that you make, 
are in two different ways. The first is to work towards learning how to love God with all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength, as we read Jesus teach us in the book of Matthew's telling of the greatest commandment. And the second is what we're going to get to in just a couple of minutes. But first, the foundation that underpins the second thing that we need to do. Uh, This week, we're going to be exploring just what it means to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's going to be our focus today. And wouldn't you know it, as with the many things that Jesus says, in those few short words, there is sure an awful lot of stuff going on. And to show you what I mean, we should begin by thinking about one of the major differences between what we learned about how Christians uh, should act in the Ten Commandments as compared to what Jesus taught us how to act in the Sermon on the Mount. And that is that in the Ten Commandments, there is a distinct focus, and I'm sure you all notice this, there is a distinct focus on how individuals, that is you and me, should act towards others. Either towards God, which is the focus of the first three commandments, or towards the larger community, which is the focus of the other ones. Acting being the key word there, thou shalt not commit adultery is an example. These are commandments that address our actions as they affect others directly. But the Sermon on the Mount is a bit different than this in its focus. Because while in it Jesus is still very very much so talking about how we should act towards other people. That is still very much so the most important thing to take away from the Sermon on the Mount, as we noticed as we went through it. How he teaches us that we should go about acting better towards other people. Nevertheless, the Sermon on the Mount is far more inward focus also. For as we saw Jesus teach us time and again throughout the sermon, what is in our hearts, that impacts how you act towards other people. The takeaway always being that if you act ethically as a Christian, it's important to address what is in your heart, not just ignore it. It's not so much that the Ten Commandments have anything against what is in your heart, it's just they don't really address it. But the Sermon on the Mount, it's front and center, It is not that in Jesus' teaching, what is in your heart is the only thing that is important. I mean, you still need to go out there and actually live with other people, even if you really don't want to sometimes. But instead, just that what is in your heart is an important part of that equation of how you act towards others. And for an example of what I mean, let's think about how both sets of teachings deal with the aforementioned adultery. In the Ten Commandments, you get, you shall not commit adultery. Simple, solid, focused on your actions, hard to misunderstand that one. In the Sermon on the Mount, however, what you get is, you have heard that it is said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's the same command, brought up for the same purpose even, because You don't want to commit adultery. That tears communities apart. That tears marriages apart. So don't do it. While in the Ten Commandments, as we saw, the focus was on the action itself. Just don't do it. Here, the focus is on 
your heart. How can you recognize if you're at a higher risk of committing adultery in the first place? Because you have that lustful eye, Jesus teaches, that sees the object of your desires not first and foremost as a person, but instead as an object. Address that or else you will be battling a temptation for adultery in a way that you most likely are going to lose, which in turn will tear your community apart, which in turn will tear the marriages involved apart. Same takeaway as the commandment, same priority of keeping the community intact even, but this is very personal, very actionable in that way. And while Jesus is not the first person in the Bible to bring the heart into discussions of how to live ethically towards other people, it is one of the cornerstones of how he teaches about what it means to live as a follower of God. And this makes sense to us who have spent so much time learning over the last seven months, I guess actually since I've come more or less, about what it means to be made in the image of God in the first place. A subject that we have dealt with in depth on multiple occasions and has come up quite a bit since we started talking about hope and then the Sermon on the Mount and then the Ten Commandments as well. What it means to be made in the image of God, that is an important thing to understanding everything in the Bible. In summary, a large part of what it means to be made in the image of God is to be made already in relationships with other things, with God, already in a relationship with ourselves, already in a relationship with other human beings, and already in a relationship with creation itself. To be made in the image of God means that you are a part of those things whether you want to be or not. Think of those relationships as different groups all connected by strings. The strings are the relationships there. If you pull on one of them, all the other ones get taught as well. The implications of this being that if our heart's desire is self-serving, is destructive, then that can only mean that our relationship with those around us, God, creation, other people, it suffers the consequences. Because there is no way that anything else could happen if we are so focused on ourselves. Because again, you pull one of those strings and the others always have to strain under the load. And so Jesus tells us it matters what is going on in our own hearts. It matters how our relationship with ourselves is going because it has a real impact on what we do to others. It has a real impact on what we do to creation and it has a real impact on what we do to God. You can act in a way that you think is right, even if what is in your heart is not, but boy, are you ever setting yourself up to fail. Which brings us to our passage today. Because I ask you, if you think about this truth, about what it means to be made in the image of God, what impact would not loving yourself have on how you treat others? let alone how you treat God and creation as well. By my experience, it would have quite a bit. 
for the strings are all connected. How you love yourself has to impact how you love everything else. Think that you are second to God alone, let alone if you think that you are his equal. That has a way of causing you to treat everyone around you as dirt. If you think that you are lower than dirt, on the other hand, that has a way of making you cause everyone or treat everyone around you as if they are superior to you, which is also damaging because to think of ourselves as more or less than other people or to make them think the same thing is to run headlong against how God made us to be as well. What is in the hearts of people impacts how we act. And so when Jesus says, Love your neighbor as yourself, I ask you, from everything that we have learned over the past five months now, how loving can you actually be towards other people if you don't love yourself? Or for that matter, if your love for yourself is in some way warped, unhealthy, or unrepentantly destructive or sinful. You try your best for sure, but there will be pain. There's no way around that. The strings are all connected. So what do you want to do? Well, this is when it's important to remember that this half of the greatest commandment is connected with the other one, to love God with all that you are. Not only because as Christians we believe that God is the source of true love and so we can learn what it means to truly love ourselves by learning to love him first. We very much so hit on that last week. But also because of the other thing that is a hallmark of what Jesus teaches us it means to have a loving relationship with him. That is that a relationship with Jesus Christ, it, it wipes the slate clean. And it helps us to, over time, overcome with his help any of those sinful, warped, unhealthy, or destructive dispositions that are in our own heart. A relationship with Jesus Christ, we Christians believe, and we have witnessed firsthand, it can transform us through the renewing of our minds. That's Romans 12, 2 right there. This is not saying that the moment we become Christians, then presto, our love for ourselves is a suddenly perfect and healthy thing, but instead just as we work to grow in our relationship with God, to make that connection healthy, so too will we begin on our journey to sort out the problems in our relationship with ourselves, those that are sinful and those that are not. This will be a process that is worked on over a lifetime. This will be a process that for many of us will involve therapy. This will be a process that will require others, a church's worth of them even, to come alongside you and to walk with you. This will be a process that will see many setbacks to be overcome. And this will be a process that is difficult and that at times is painful but it will also be a process that comes with growing in your relationship with the Lord and through it you will come to see not only how amazing you are as something made by our God, but also just how amazing the rest of creation is as well. 
But this is all largely what we hit on last week. When we explored why it is important to build our relationship with God. So what about the second thing that we can do to ingrain the greatest commandment into who we are? The second thing that we can do to embody the greatest commandment and as a result know how to act as Christians should in all circumstances. Well, now we can finally get to that. And I actually pulled a fast one on you because this next one is, there's two halves to it. The first of these halves being what we have largely hit on so far today. If you want to learn to embody the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, then by my reading of that passage, there are three relationships in there that need to be worked on if you want to embody this teaching. We already hit on how important it is to learn how to love God with all that you are. And so the next thing to do is to learn how to healthily love yourself. And here I'm not saying love yourself in some kind of pop psychology kind of way, where the concept is just reduced to nothing more than never say no to an impulse you have ever, even if it ruins your relationships and everyone around you. It seems in the world today that's what it means to love yourself, but that, that's sociopathy, that's not love. No, when I say work to learn how to love yourself, what I mean is, as we hit on last week, you need to work to love yourself as God loves you, as Jesus Christ loves you, as we see in the Bible, he loves us. You who he made in his image equal to everyone else and then said was good. You who he made as part of his good creation, the pinnacle of it, it's good steward. And you who God loves enough to spend time with just to be with you. That's the first two pages right there. How amazing is it that in this entire book, in the first two pages, that's what we learn about ourselves. But also, you who as a part of this fallen creation we live in, struggles with sin every day, Genesis 3. But who in spite of that struggle, God decided to not leave you, but instead work to be closer to you even, in order to be with you in that struggle. If you just call on him, even though it would result in the cross. Why? Because you're worth that much to him. John 3.16 You who God trusts to join him in the work of building his kingdom in the world around us that will see the low brought high and will see the high brought low so that we can all be equal again. Matthew 5. You who one day will together with all creation be resurrected so that you will live eternal face to face with God who is capable of doing all of this and yet again still makes time to spend with you. Revelation 21. From scripture, that's how we know God sees us. 
each of us, individually. That's how we know God loves us, each of us individually. And as such, that has to be the backbone of what it means to truly love yourself. For the God who made all things to love us as well means that in us there is something worth loving, something in the core of who we are, something that cannot be separated from us, and something that means we are all equal in his eyes. For God to love us and to go to the lengths that he does for us, even to the cross itself, even though we still struggle with sin and are far from perfect in this fallen world, and we struggle with all the various things and seeing our own failings constantly, that God would be there with us and keep reaching out to us all through that has to mean that there is something in us that God sees as worthwhile to do that. Which is shown to be even more the case considering that he wants to be right there with us in the trenches of that struggling to help us overcome it as well. That God created us to be his good steward of creation and wants us to help build his kingdom shows there is something about what we can do that God sees as useful and important as well. After all, it's very easy to tell someone that you love them, but it's a very different thing to want to be in a working relationship with them, isn't it? And that God wants to spend eternity with us shows us that we are worth it for the long haul to him also. Exactly the kind of thing we really have trouble remembering about ourselves when we're in the pits of our own existence. This is the backbone of how we are to love ourselves. As God shows us, he loves us in his word. Consequently, if you don't ever spend any time with your Bible, then it's pretty hard to see just how much God loves us as well. None of us loves ourselves perfectly like this. As I said, it is a lifetime of working towards that, to see ourselves like that. But as we grow in our relationship with God, this love will come easier which in turn will help us grow in our understanding and as such our love for God and our neighbors in creation as well. Positive feedback loop. Which brings us to the last relationship that we need to work on if we want to ingrain the greatest commandment into who we are. Our relationship with others and tossed into this, all creation as well, because being made creation's good steward as part of our being in the image of God means that you shouldn't be too quick to separate those two things, us from what we're supposed to be looking after in the first place. You don't really separate kings from what their kingdom is. But here, the thing that we can do to build these relationships is if you are working on the other two parts already, God and yourself, well, what you can do here is actually pretty simple. Just go out of your way to try to love your neighbor in a way that reflects how you are coming to understand that God loves you. I say that's simple, but 
It's a lifetime of work there too. But as we continue to learn that we are loved by God and as such we are worth being loved, we in turn love others as well. Even, as I said before, if those people are just the worst, they are still worth loving. It is ingrained in who they are. As we continue to learn that God thinks of us as worthwhile and as such that we are worthwhile, we come to think of other people as inherently worth our while as well. There is time better spent with other people, but there is no time that is wasted with them either. As we continue to learn that we struggle with our own sin, but that God is in the thick of it with us, lovingly, regardless, always reaching out, we remember that all people sin. That is one of the unfortunate truths of the world that we live in. And someday when glory comes, it will no longer be the case. But here and now, remember that no one's perfect. No one is a write-off. And that we should be there with these people that are sinning as we are through the thick of their baggage as our Lord is for us as well. Don't confuse being with someone in their suffering to being long-suffering if that person is abusing you in those kinds of situations. Others very likely can help more than you can. But instead, just don't be quick to write people off. And as we continue to learn that God thinks that we are able to help him steward his creation and build his kingdom, and as such, thinks that we are useful, we come to treat others in a way that gives them a chance to be useful in turn. We make a point to go out with others to tend and build up creation and the kingdom with them. We take a chance on people because inherent in who they are is that they are worth taking a chance on. And as we continue to learn that God wants to be with us over the long haul, and as such, we are worth being in a relationship with that is not disposable. We come to build relationships with our neighbor and all creation that's goal is to last. We do not live in a period of time that is good thinking in those long-term ways. That's got to change. In short, we live to others the love our God has for us. We share with our hearts, our souls, our minds, and all our strength, including with our words, including what God has done for us, including the gospel, to all of creation itself. That's how the world will come to know the good news of who our God is. That's how the gospel is best spread when it is seen in how we live to everything around us, to everyone around us. Do you want to know how to best live as a Christian in the world around you, how to ingrain and embody the greatest commandment? This is it. And the more you think about it, the more you can see everything that we learned over the past 19 weeks uh, between the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments in exactly living this way. 
Which also means that if you find everything we talked about today and last Sunday kind of airy and vague, just go check out those passages again. There's loads of practical how to live out things in a situation-by-situation basis in there. That's their whole point. Living like this, according to the greatest commandment, you will at times mess up. I certainly do. But living according to the greatest commandment is, as we have said before, it is a work in progress, one where the Spirit of God is at our side. The more we live in this way, work on these relationships, the more we will internalize what it means for God to love us. And in turn, the more his kingdom will be built. And the more creation will come to know through us living our best lives and telling everyone about it, the good news of what our Lord has done. Amen. In response, let's sing, Take My Life and Let It Be, a prayer consecration here. And uh, we're going to sing verses 1, 3, 4, and 6, if you're following along on hymn number 379. 1, 3, 4, and 6. And for our benediction, we turn to 1 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, for my love is with you all in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go now and serve our God.